time now for Witness to Hope. Stories of faith and hope from people you may know right here in the Marquette area. You'll hear how God has sustained others with courage and perseverance even through some of life's most difficult challenges. We are inspired to trust in God's loving care for us even when we don't understand his ways. As St. Paul tells us in Romans 5, 3-5, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. Today, our Witness to Hope features Faye and Tim Presley, who started Catholic Radio here in the UP with the creation of WNOA 103.9 FM. Monsignor Michael Stieber recently interviewed Faye and Tim. This is Monsignor Michael Stieber here with Tim and Faye Presley for another Witness to Hope episode at WNOA 103.9 FM. In our last episode, Tim and Faye, you gave us the inspiring history of how WNOA was started as a branch of Clava's Regnum Ministries. You gave us a picture of how the Lord provided step by step and how fruitful this has been as you've trusted him. What we didn't talk about was what you two were facing in the last couple of years with Faye's personal health issues in the midst of keeping WNOA going. You have another amazing story to tell us today. So first of all, Faye, how did you discover the health issue that came to light and what was the diagnosis? Well, early on in the summer of 2018, I began to feel really tired and fatigued. Mm Mm-hmm. I always like to take a walk and pray the rosary, and but the walks kept getting shorter and shorter, and pretty soon mm. I couldn't even get through the whole rosary in a walk. And wow. I thought, boy, I really got to get in shape here. <laughs> Something's, mm. Something's not good. Um, around the same time, I started having some lower back pain, and it kind of felt like a pulled muscle, but it didn't, it didn't improve like mm. it normally does. And then one day I put up the kitchen window over the sink, and I heard a crack and a pain in my back, and I thought, oh, boy. I better go see a chiropractor. Mm. Well, just before this, I had actually gone to the doctor because of the fatigue. I thought maybe it was Lyme's disease or something like that. So he had done quite a bit of blood work, Mm -hmm. but we hadn't had the results yet. So I did go then to a chiropractor, and the chiropractor took some x-rays. And it was kind of unbelievable uh, when we saw them. I had several misaligned vertebrae going in directions they weren't supposed to go in Hmm. and some possible fractures. At that time, we didn't really know what the cause was for that. Hmm. The chiropractor might have known, but we didn't. Hmm. And she recommended that I return to the doctor as soon as possible. Hmm. So on September 6th, I went back to the doctor that I'd gone to earlier and asked him if he'd seen the x-rays of my back. And he said no. But I don't think I need to. He said, I, I think from the results of your blood tests that you have multiple myeloma. Wow. At that moment, my vision went totally black. Mm. And all I could see was I turned to look at Tim, and all I could see was his face. Everything else was black. Wow. A few days later, I ended up in the emergency room where for a transfusion of three units of blood, my hemoglobin had gone down to six, which is pretty low. And the oncologist diagnosed me with multiple myeloma on, of all days, September 11th. Oh, my goodness. Hmm. 
And how did you deal with this in your faith? And what helped the two of you? We really relied on our foundation life of prayer and living a sacramental Catholic life. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes when you face a crisis like this, you, you don't feel like you can pray. Mm -hmm. But the whole, your whole life and the whole situation, the whole crisis is a prayer. Talk about the, uh, the treatment you entered into and what changed in your daily life and how did you support each other through this time? Uh, we could write a book on this question. <laughs> <laughs> um, Faye began a regimen of chemotherapy and pain medication and bone strengtheners that would last for the next eight months. Multiple myeloma is a cancer of the plasma cells, which are found mainly in the bone marrow, which is the mm. soft tissue inside of bones. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're part of the immune system. There are also red blood cells, white blood cells, and platelets in the bone marrow as well. Well, cancer of the plasma cells causes their overgrowth in the bone marrow, and they then push out the other cells that are in mm -hmm. there. So when you push out the red blood cells, you have a low red blood cell count, which mm -hmm. leads to anemia, mm -hmm. which, leads, which I had, and that leads then to fatigue and weakness, which I was definitely experiencing. How did you find the Lord with you? the parish and the community and what were some of the hidden blessings that you discovered with your family that came along our, our parish community was awesome um, mm. the secular carmelites uh, that we belong to they were real uh, prayer warriors and they helped with so many things like lawn care and meals helping with housework being with faye when i needed to be away and of course you know prayer mm-hmm and I would go through it all over again for the healing miracle that happened in my family. Mm. There had been very strained relationships between some of my children and us. It had been quite distressing to me. Mm -hmm. But when they learned of my diagnosis, the walls came down, mm -hmm. and they were all very supportive and loving. Mm. And that's one of the greatest miracles and gifts that the Lord gave to me. Yeah, that was a beautiful surprise. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you described well, the, just the nature of the disease there, Faye, and I remember you saying, too, that it used to be some years ago, if you got that diagnosis, that was the last word, basically. But you entered into the treatment process, and what was the, uh, the result of that first treatment approach? What had to change with your work with WNOA and with your job, Tim? Well, early on, I had a sense of urgency that, that Faye needed to be seen by specialists that, that fully understood her disease. Mm -hmm. And the local oncologists, though, they're very good in the treatment of cancer in general. They were not giving us a, a sense of the of full uh, you know, confidence in the diagnosis. And there were often expressions of puzzlement at the meanings of the extremely high quantities of certain proteins in her, in her blood work. I mean, they mm -hmm. were just off the scale. Mm -hmm. And uh, a little research into good cancer centers, uh, coupled with our own experience, uh, and then the urging of some close friends led us to decide to go to the Mayo Clinic. Mm -hmm. And it just seemed from the very beginning, this decision to go to, to Mayo, it was like it was resisted by some invisible force. Mm -hmm. At times, the, it just seemed insurmountable. Uh, but little miracles happened at every critical moment, and we made it to Mayo three weeks after Faye's diagnosis. Mm. Um, these miracles started with a dear friend simply insisting on our going, 
and paying for the flights and interacting with Delta, Delta Airlines for the most optimum situation to get us to Rochester, Minnesota. Mm. Beautiful. The, the morning uh, that we were to leave, I'd gotten Faye dressed. I mean, it was quite a, an ordeal just to get her dressed and ready to go. And mm. we knew it was going to be a hard journey. Mm-hmm. And I had her sitting upright on the edge of, the, of her hospital bed. And she was kind of reclining against the, you know, the, the upright portion, just sort of resting there. And so I stepped into the other room. I had all my clothes laid out in, in the living room and stepped into the living room to get dressed. And I had no sooner left the bedroom than I heard this muffled clunk. Mm-hmm. And I whirled around and came back in, and it's like Faye was laying face down on the carpet. Mm-hmm. And she just passed out. And I was able to get her back up on the bed, and somehow, miraculously, she, was, she seemed okay. Mm-hmm. And we didn't fully understand the condition of her of her back, you know, it was, if, if I would have known the extent of how many fractures she had, I probably wouldn't have acted the way I did, but, uh, you know, but yeah. I just got her back together and, sure. and we left to come for Mayo. Um, so phase treatment is, uh, uh, we mentioned earlier, consisted of about eight months of chemotherapy to get rid of most of the cancer load. This is called debulking and it gets rid of 90 to 95% of the, of the cancer cells. And at that time, once they had achieved what they wanted there, they, they decided to do a stem cell transplant. Mm. There was a full week of testing, imaging, physical examinations, and interviews. And then that was followed by uh, where they would harvest her stem cells through apheresis. And it's similar to dialysis. It, and they, they take mm. the stem cells out and, and then they, they freeze them. Mm-hmm. And that's followed by an extremely high dose of chemotherapy, which essentially killed all of her blood cells over the course of the following week. Mm. And when the chemo drug was out of her system, about 24 hours later, they put the stem cells back in Mm. into her blood. And as the the pre-chemo blood cells were dying off, the stem cells were beginning to reattach in the bone marrow and to begin to create new blood cells so we watched a graph day by day over the next 10 days as her blood cells just kept going lower and lower right down to the zero line just to the Mm -hmm. point where she could well she actually had to have several blood transfusions Mm -hmm. of different components of her blood to keep her alive and then magically we just started to see this little uptick in the in the uh, graph of the of the blood counts as the stem cells uh, that had been extracted from her body began to, to grow again. Mm. Um, you know, talking about it now, it just seems rather matter of fact, <laughs> uh, but the chemo that she received was so devastating. It was so debilitating. Um, even though she didn't feel bad on the day she received it, the next two months were one constant bout with nausea and vomiting. Mm. Um, and of course, she lost her hair. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> at the end of our stay at Mayo Clinic, uh, Faye was checking out and needed to have the central line removed that they used to uh, to uh, administer the the chemotherapy and the stem cells into mm-hmm. her bloodstream. And it's like a, a catheter that goes into the blood vessels near her heart. Mm-hmm. And just prior to that procedure to remove that line. 
they detected a, a condition called supraventricular tachycardia. It's a big word, but basically her pulse rate was at 180 beats per minute. It was just way too fast. Hmm. And they were very alarmed by that. And so it was kind of a frightening situation. And apparently it was caused by a combination of the side effect of the chemotherapy and also the irritation of the central line, which was so close to her heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it happened coincidentally, I don't know if it's coincidence or not, but right as you, Monsignor, were coming to visit. Uh-huh. You just walked right in and into the moment that teams of cardiac specialists were swarming around Faye, and you were there to pray and assure her and yeah. administer the anointing of the sick. Oh, it was such a comfort to me to see you, mm. and I was so happy mm. to have you have you there and to, to be able to pray and, and anoint me. Mm. Um, this was the one time that I, I thought I might die. Um, yeah. The nurse asked me if I wanted to be resuscitated if necessary. And <laughs> it's probably a routine question, but when you're the patient, it doesn't seem routine. Right, It, it right. really brings it, uh, the possibility home to mm. you. I could only think about my children and that mm-hmm. I wanted to, I needed to talk to them and tell them that I loved them. Yeah. So I actually was <clears throat> able to talk to some of them. And then during that time, another miracle, I mm. think maybe the anointing of the sick, mm. my heart just normalized. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that was quite a facility, too, of really uh, very sanitized, very cautious about, you know, what's introduced there. And it was looking so positive that, again, they were going to remove this mm-hmm. tube, and then all of a sudden, as you say, everything's an emergency. Yeah. And I was so glad that I could uh, I could anoint you and, mm-hmm. again, ask the Lord's healing. Mm-hmm. And, and we were so thankful for your generosity in coming all the way to Rochester yeah. from Marquette on your day off and mm-hmm. administering the anointing of the sick and just turning around and driving another eight hours back home. It's like You went through so much, and you can just hear how all-consuming this was, this whole treatment process and battling the illness. So a lot of things had to change for... Tim's work and mm-hmm. for your part in WNOA and how did that shift or how did yeah, people step into Sadly, that? you know, my work at St. Peter had to come to an end. I just simply could not attend to the needs of the cathedral and my own wife at the same time. So, And as far as WNOA goes, at that time what we did was we just removed all the local programming, all the things that we had done previously that needed to be updated regularly mm-hmm. and just pretty much ran EWTN's programming that they provide mm-hmm. for us. So mm-hmm. uh, it it pretty much ran itself for a while. Yeah, <laughs> fortunately. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you were led to another treatment eventually. And talk about how that came about. Well, I was recovering from the transplant nicely, <laughs> and I was feeling quite well through 2019. And my blood tests were 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 good. They were improving each month. So I started to think about my brother's experience with stage 3 bladder cancer uh, eight or nine years earlier. He had found a fellow from Purdue University with a PhD. He was a cancer researcher there. He was head of their cancer center for about 10 years. Hmm. And he discovered this cancer marker on the surface of cancer cells. Hmm. And together with his wife, who also had a PhD, they discovered substances that would remove this protein marker and allow the immune system to take out the cancer cell. Hmm. Well, my brother was intrigued. He went to Indiana and he visited this fellow and he was convinced that this discovery and treatment would help him. Hmm. So he went there and 
Well, he was right. He's cancer-free today. Wow. <laughs> so I thought, well, why not see if it might work for me too? Yeah. Because I was, you know, I was feeling well, and, and I thought it might be a good time to, to try something different. So I was somewhat skeptical. The effective substance, substance that the uh, Purdue prof had discovered is the active ingredient in green tea. Huh. It's called EGCG, uh, along with capsicum from chili peppers. Mm. So Tim and I did what most people do these days. We searched online. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Tim found uh, a study funded by the National Institute of Health that actually studied the effects of EGCG on cancer cells. Mm. Well, the study found that it was not only effective on cancer cells, but also specifically on multiple myeloma cells. Wow. So I thought, okay, with that little bit of corroboration, plus a long phone call with the doctor from Indiana who would, mm. who would do the treatment. That was enough to lead us to plan to go to Indiana in January of this year, 2020, for this mm-hmm. alternative treatment. Mm-hmm. And how did that go then? Well, I had been on maintenance chemo every two weeks after the transplant until November of 2019. At that point in November, I discontinued the maintenance chemo to prepare for the treatment in Indiana beginning in January. Hmm. So in January we went down and I received this EGCG combination IV 24-7 around the clock with a strict diet of veggie juices and protein smoothies, (laughs) (laughs) which weren't the best, but... (laughs) (laughs) Um, There was some concern from the doctor there that the morphine that I had been on continuously for my back pain might interfere with the EGCG treatment. Mm. So I discontinued the morphine. Mm. And the withdrawal from that made the first week there not really much fun. I bet. But after that, it improved. It wasn't too bad after that. And the back pain wasn't as bad as I had Mm. thought either. So that was a blessing. Mm -hmm. I came home after two weeks with an oral supply of the medication, and I continue taking that today. February of 2020 through June of this year, I was going to the oncologist regularly, and those visits were going well. The blood work was was all good. But the multiple myeloma really is not considered curable. Mm -hmm. It's treatable for a time. They can keep it at bay. The median survival with my more rare type of multiple myeloma is about two and a half years from diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So my diagnosis came in September of 2018. So that means for two years, God has kept me alive so far. Sure has. <laughs> the miracles that God has worked in our lives has increased our trust in him so much. Mm. He, he truly does love us, and he mm-hmm. provides for us each step of the way if we open our hearts and, and lovingly submit to him. Mm-hmm. And God has also provided for WNOA, mm-hmm. uh, you know, possibly I might not be here much longer. So the station manager duties that I had shared with Tim have been given to an extremely capable fellow with mm-hmm. radio experience. Yes. And he's doing great things at the studio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tim and I have been dubbed general managers. Now. Yeah, there you go. And your hair has gloriously come back nicely, too. <laughs> it looks so much different than it ever did. <laughs> it looks before. like a lion's mane. Uh-huh. I've never had curly hair before, but it is now. <laughs> yeah. You know, faith is, is so important. 
you know, living with the awareness of the presence of God takes on more meaning when life gets so consuming that you can only think of the next step mm. that you need to take. Uh, it's probably incomprehensible to some that there would be moments in, in their life where you just cannot pray. You know, mm-hmm. just ask a soldier in the heat of battle, mm-hmm. you know, or a woman when she's giving birth. You know, the experience is just too all-consuming. Mm-hmm. You know, before a crisis hits, you know, just living a strong life of prayer and frequently participating in the sacraments, it prepares you for those moments. I watched a video series recently. It was called Radical Remission. Hmm. It featured numerous people who had overcome serious cancer diagnoses, as well as multiple sclerosis and ALS. There was a researcher who studied these people and discovered 10 behaviors that they all shared in common, which contributed to their vitality. So I'd like to share these 10 behaviors as they could be helpful for all of us, mm. whether facing serious illness or just trying to you know, mm. prevent illness. Mm-hmm. But I have to give a medical disclaimer here. I am not yes. a doctor <laughs> uh-huh. and do not intend to give any medical advice. Okay. Always consult your doctor with health concerns. Sure. But here are the 10 suggestions from that series. Number one, empower yourself. Do research, get educated, take responsibility for your own health, and don't be afraid to take the road less traveled by. Mm-hmm. Number two, radically change your diet. The people in this series didn't all change their diet to the same type of diet, but they all did radically change their diet to increase their vegetable intake. Number three, release suppressed emotions. Four, increase positive emotions, especially forgiveness. Five, exercise and move. Six, have strong reasons for living. Uh, One of the women in this series had young children And for her, that was a strong motivator, a strong reason for living. Uh, Maybe there's an important project that uh, you're working on. Seven, deepen a spiritual connection. As we both mentioned, draw near to God now, Mm -hmm. and he will provide for you. Mm -hmm. Number eight, use herbs and supplements. Mm -hmm. I love this passage from Ezekiel 47, 12, where it talks about the stream coming from the side of the temple. Quote, Along both banks of the river, fruit trees of every kind shall grow. Their leaves shall not fade, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they shall bear fresh fruit, for they shall be watered by the flow from the sanctuary. Their fruit shall serve for food, and their leaves for medicine. Number nine, follow your intuition. And ten, embrace social support. Mm. We are meant to be in relationship with others. Mm -hmm. I am so grateful for the gift of my husband and caregiver. Mm -hmm. This journey would have been much different without him. I thank God for allowing Tim to be with me, and I thank you, Tim. Mm -hmm. We're so grateful for our Carmelite community and our parish family, and I thank my children, my mother, and many friends for their love, prayers, and visits, which so strengthened me. Mm. I thank national and local cancer organizations that helped us financially. And I thank all the medical professionals who spend their lives serving others and who literally saved my life, Mm -hmm. those here in Marquette, those at Mayo Clinic, and those in Indiana. And, uh, you know, think about that fear factor for many people, especially without faith. And uh, can you make a connection with all the dynamics of the COVID situation and the difference faith makes? That's an interesting 
question because that has that has come up and in discussions about fear of the virus um, and I would just say to people in those conversations you know I have faced death Hmm. very closely Mm -hmm. and I'm not afraid to die Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like the scripture that says, perfect love casts out fear. Mm. And the more you've drawn upon the Lord's perfect love for you and knowing yes. he's holding you in his care, yes. it's helped you persevere. And yes, his care has, his care and love bring forth love. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Yep. So Tim and Faye, thank you so much for uh, both of you sharing your faith journey through this illness, being a witness to the whole community. It's a reflection of what we can hear in this passage from St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Praise be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all consolation. He comforts us in all our afflictions and thus enables us to comfort those who are in trouble with the same consolation we receive from him. As we have shared much in the suffering of Christ, so through Christ do we share abundantly in his consolation. If we are afflicted, it is for your encouragement and salvation. And when we are consoled, it is for your consolation, so that you may endure patiently the same sufferings we endure. Our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in the sufferings, so you will share in the consolation. Lord, we thank you for your consolation, your comforts, your healing power. Help us trust in you. Help us to abide in you. And Blessed Mother, we ask you, as you stood at the foot of the cross of your Son, to intercede for us and for all who are bearing the cross of illness in many ways. Hail Mary, full Full of grace, the Lord Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I would like to close with the scripture reading we heard just a short time ago at Sunday Mass for the 25th Sunday in Ordinary Time. I want to be able to say with St. Paul in his letter to the Philippians, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, life is Christ, and death is gain. If I go on living in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which I shall choose. I am caught between the two. Hmm. Powerful indeed. And you two have been such a witness to me of that sacrificial love that is so much part of marriage, and you're walking together, caring for each other, and in, in embracing the sacrifices. It's been a powerful witness to me as your pastor, as well as I know our whole community. Thanks be to God. Yeah. Listen for the next Witness to Hope, coming soon right here on WNOA 103.9 FM, Catholic Radio for the UP.